I want to go to Romans chapter 14 today. Paul addresses in this passage differences of opinion. And uh, essentially, he's going to say, leave them alone. Okay? So if you hear anything, that's it. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not quarrel over opinions. The very fact that he just says that there are opinions that may vary from each other, and yet to leave them alone is really powerful to me. Because at times I've had um, in groups, Christian groups, push and say, we need unity. And that declaration often comes out of, everybody needs to respond to my opinion and do what I want. And there is, in this passage, when he says, when somebody comes in with a different opinion and he's telling you to leave them alone, what does that say that as to far as those things continuing in a group and it being okay? That's an intriguing thought, isn't it? That God may speak one thing to my heart and something different to yours, and it be appropriate. Now, when we look at the lives of Jesus and John the Baptist, they lived vastly different lifestyles, but they were in the same place at the same time. Same circumstances, both had devout relationships with God, but they lived differently. And the impression that I get from Scripture is that God spoke to each of them as to how they were to live. And yet it came across in different activity. And so there are times when we have to look at things and just say, my opinion's different than yours, and we probably won't get on the same page. But it's still okay as long as we honor each other and honor the Lord first. It's an intriguing thought to consider. Let's go on. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. In the New Testament church, the dietary contrast was probably even more significant than today. Now, food is, is very important to a lot of you as far as, you know, you won't touch a GMO thing but you'll smoke a pipe. And for my generation, we're looking at it like, what are you thinking? But the truth is, this dietary stuff, Paul's basically saying is not that big a deal. Thank you. That's about the extent of my dancing, too. Uh, He, he, he says in this particular passage, he gives them, the person whose faith is weak still thinks he's bound by the law, and so he's got a lot of rules attached to his life. This is another contrast to what I've often found in Christianity is that people who consider themselves strong often have more law than those that don't. And so... 
again, we're challenged. <laughs> Are you really that strong if you're still trying to live by the law? Now, in Scripture, you can justify, like with this dietary stuff, you can justify about any position. I mean, you have the, the Garden of Eden, which appears that they were vegetarian. They didn't, you know, when Noah is given um, the go-ahead to eat animals, you don't, not the, veg, you know, I gave you the vegetables in the garden, but now giving you the animals as well. So there's a transition where, you know, the people started eating meat and it's considered normal. Then when you get to the wilderness, it's very specific animals. You eat these, you don't eat these. Uh, when it comes to the Gentiles, that's even more different because essentially they're eating roadkill. They're eating animals with the blood in it. They don't care. It just whatever, you know, it's tasty. That's what we do. And, you know, for, for somebody that had very specific codes to embrace someone else who has virtually no code and put them in the same congregation and say, keep your opinions to yourself, gets a little bit complicated. And that's what Paul's wrestling through with them. But he, he lists some principles that are probably more important that we need to grab onto as well. First, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or fails. He will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. In other words, he says, each of us has one master. It's not me, it's not you, it's our Lord. And so we have a responsibility to answer to him and say, what do you want of my life? And how do you want me to live? And so that's, you know, when, when we start pushing our agenda or our opinions on someone else, in some ways we're saying, yeah, you think you're right, but really I am, and you need to do what I say. And in a sense, you need to become under my authority in this decision-making. And Paul's saying, no, we have one authority over this church, and it's God. It's, uh, in some ways, it's like leaving some room for God to speak differently to individuals about circumstances. It's kind of overconfident to assume that you know what's right, that you have a word that was given to you and that must apply to everyone else. It's intriguing, isn't it, that God would speak something specifically to our hearts and say, I want you to do this, but the temptation is to pull everyone into that opinion and say, God spoke to me. This is what we need to do. And oftentimes, it's God spoke to you. It's what you need to do. Sometimes he calls us into a standard that nobody else is asked to do, and yet still it's appropriate for our lives. And we have to sort out and figure out, is this for me or is it for the group? One person esteems what... Now, he uses... He got off the topic of, or he took the illustration of eating, but there were other things going on too. 
you know, if you had come out of Judaism, you had very specific rules regarding the Sabbath. You had very specific rules about different feasts and holidays. You get to the Gentile believers, and they don't care about that. That's ancient history. Thank you for bringing us to God and Jesus Christ, His Son. Uh, we don't need the other trappings. It might frost you, you know? But we have all this experience. We have all this heritage. We have all these things that are really valuable. Sorry, don't need it. And, and so he says, one person esteems one day better than another, and another esteems all days alike. Here's the point. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, you can have God speak to you specifically as to what he wants out of you. You need to become convinced of what you're doing and that it's appropriate. So as one observes today, honor in honor of the Lord. The other one eats, eats in honor of the Lord, or one is, uh, observes one day in honor. In <laughs> Can I tangle that anymore? This phrase, honor of the Lord, is used three times in this portion. And then it's also, we should give thanks unto the Lord. It's used twice. And so he's, he's driving this point home. Whatever you do, it needs to be done in honor to God. You give thanks whether you eat or whether you abstain. You give thanks whether you celebrate this day or don't celebrate it. It's got to be a honoring of the Lord and thanks going unto him for his declaration into your life. God will speak to you about what you should practice. And with that, you give thanks and honor him. None of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of the dead and the living. He says, you have come under Christ's authority. You have given up your rights to make decisions on your own. You have declared when you accepted his salvation that he is Lord, he is the master of your life. So you have a, a, a responsibility to say, what do you want of me? And then you respond to that. We gave up our rights. We declared him as Lord. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or do you not or why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of the God. As is written, I will live, says the Lord. Every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So he goes back to this idea. He says, you know what? We can think that we're pretty important stuff and make declarations for everyone else, but when at the end of the day, all of us are going to kneel before God. A sign of submission. A declaration. Your opinion is the one that counts. And then it's going to, there's going to be this declaration that says your opinion is the one that counts. And he goes on to say, at that point, you will give an accounting for your life. And it's really important to acknowledge that when I am bowed before God and when I'm speaking of 
of my life that I will have to give an answer as to how I treated or respected others. My, my connection with others is going to be extremely important. How I treated them is a big deal. Did I love them? Or was I just forcing my agenda on things? Forcing my heritage? Forcing the rules that I've grown familiar and comfortable with? Or have I come to this place of saying, God, whatever you desire, whatever you want, and in our midst, whatever you desire, let it be. Now, out of that mindset, he says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling blocks or hindrance in the way of a brother. Here's another very important issue. You may have this opinion, and yet he tells you your freedom in that opinion is as important as it is to uplift others. How strongly you hold that opinion is not as important, or your freedom is not as important as the, the thought that you have of, am I helping others rise up? It's not a submitting to them in the sense of, well, their opinion is more important than mine, but it's more a thing of, I'm going to live this way so that I won't draw, cause any hindrance to them. In other words, my relationship with God is so precious, my opinion of what He wants is important enough that I'm going to be loving in the way I respond to others. And so it tempers what we do. It's a fine line, Right? It's a thing of, well, why would we do something different than what we actually hold as being okay? Well, we would do that so that we could bless others and we could encourage them. It <laughs> we don't want to force behavior that doesn't have conscience attached. We don't want to force others into things that they have no opinion on, so to speak. We want them to hear from God and respond accordingly. He goes on, what does, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So he goes, for me, he says, I don't believe that anything is unclean in this fashion. But if you don't have that opinion or you are, your conscience hasn't verified that to you, for you to participate with me this way would be wrong. And so it comes back to personal conscience in a lot of things. We have to say, what is God speaking to me? What is the desire of me? And we sometimes can watch somebody that has a lot more freedom in us. Kind of hacks us off. Why hasn't God told them to stop that yet? Why do they get to do that? Well, you'll have to settle that with the Lord, not with them. And to force them into something else, Paul's saying is wrong.
He says, if a brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. But what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So he says, there are times when you're going to make a choice to do things in the Lord simply to honor him that may be contrary to the opinion that you hold. It's not a yielding of that opinion, but it's saying, I would rather pick someone else up in this process. Again, it, can we just put black and white statements and say, well, this is what everyone should do, or this is how everyone should behave? He's not closing, he's not giving that opportunity. That's not his vision of unity and, and function. His vision is of everyone loving one another and having room for a variance of opinion and doing our best to encourage and strengthen each other, not taking our freedoms to destroy. Some choices are made because of their potential impact on others. We may choose to relinquish some of our freedoms to the benefit of others. Let me say that one more time. Some choices are made because of their poten potential impact on others. We may choose to relinquish some of our freedoms to the benefit of others. Here now. Then he goes on to say, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. <laughs> I thought you just told us to... <laughs> to think of others and, and be willing to live that way. Do not just declare, this is now my position. Or do not, in the, um, the goal of keeping peace, let that be a fear response of just trying to be accepted by others. I think um, we can practice this or give the appearance of a false belief where he's really declaring to us, be willing to speak what you believe, but also be willing to practice something different if it really encourages others. In other words, you don't deny your belief, but you still are willing to, to work in a group and sometimes do things that pick others up that you say, this really isn't that important to me. It's a challenging thing, isn't it? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by Him. So he's saying there are bigger issues than these practices that come out of opinion. You know, you focus on righteousness in the Lord. You focus on peace in the Lord. You focus on joy in the Holy Spirit. You focus on your relationship with Him more than you get caught up in the day-to-day -day habits, so to speak. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So he says, with that overarching thing, that overarching understanding of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, he says, then we pursue the things that will bring peace, and we pursue this mutual building up of each other.
Concentrate on the big issues. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Some choices are for the benefit of others. Um, recently, we finally got rid of styrofoam cups. That's not particularly important to my generation. I'll give you an opinion, but no, I'm not. Yes, I will. I have reasons for my opinions. But according to this passage, it isn't all that important. Okay? One of the reasons we made the transition was because it's very important to your generation. It just is. You've been taught ecology and all of this for years and years, and some of those issues are much more important to you than they ever will be to others of us. But again, it's how do we work together and how do we respect and honor each other. And sometimes we do things that maybe just don't seem that important to us personally, but we say this still is valuable to the group. And particularly as someone coming in that has been taught this and maybe hasn't embraced Christ yet, why would we want to put a stumbling block in front of them? It's not a good thing. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So he just says, you've got to stay tuned into your conscience and live within those parameters. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. So he says, if you view yourself as a strong believer, most likely you're going to be giving ground in some opinion issues. Fair enough? Are you strong or are you weak? If you're insistent that others follow what you're doing, he would say you're weak. (laughs) Challenge. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the approaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he says, Christ set the example of dying for the very people that were rejecting him. There's a quote out of Psalm 69.9. Community in this passage in some ways has more importance than personal freedom. That's hard for our culture to embrace. But there are callings within community that cause us to do things that will build the group up rather than ourselves or give expression for the group 
that are different than what we would personally choose. It's part of working together. There was a commentator, uh, Gill, who made this comment about Jesus. He sought not his own ease, pleasure, profit, honor, or glory, but to do the will of the Father and his work. It's a good point. Um, <laughs> here's a rabbit trail. You can chase this on your own time. Psalm 69.9, I want to read the whole verse. Zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Remember the quote of the first part of that verse? It was after Jesus had cleansed the temple, kicked out the money changers. How do those two reconcile each other? He was taking a shot at those that would close the door on the expression of faith. People were coming and they were being forced within this tight structure of you've got to do this, you've got to sacrifice this way, you've got to do it this way. And they were interpreting the law, but they were shutting the door on those who were inquirers. And Jesus got very hot over that. But at the same time, he was willing to sacrifice his life for those that needed the help. So just chew on that if you want. I'm not done with it. 15.4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So he's pulling that Psalm 69. Says, that was for our help. So we go back to the Scripture and stay tuned to that. Then he goes into kind of a blessing. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may be with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I like this closing because he says, may you all be brought together and you glorify God with what? One voice. So that's, that's the, the unity statement, so to speak. Is saying that we come together with different opinions. We come here with the goal of honoring and lifting each other up. And ultimately, as we seek to honor God, we, we give praise with one voice. Even though the application of our faith has some differences with each other. It's a powerful idea that we can live with a certain dis, um, dissonance or live with a certain variation at a ground roots level, but still we have this singular goal of honoring and glorifying our God. And that's enough to pull us together and give declaration with one faith. He closes just like he started. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Christ welcomed you into his kingdom. He didn't shut the door. He opened it. He says, do the same for each other. Praise to the Lord. Thank you for your scripture that speaks life. Help us to respond when you speak to our hearts, to discern what your will is for each of us. Amen.
Uh, one of the topics like in our congregation is, uh, well, should you homeschool? Should you Christian school? Should you public school? I'm glad God speaks to you. God will speak to you what he wants. You can give your opinion, but other than that, keep your mouth shut. Right? You know, God will speak to you as to what you're supposed to do. And it's the same way with many, many things. But we honor respect, cherish each other because of what God has done in our lives. And together with one voice, we will honor him. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what opinions you want them to hold. I ask as they go into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others that you enable them to carry out the workings of the kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.